Good morning. Let me welcome you to Pittman Park Online. I'm Bill Bagwell, Senior Pastor of Pittman Park. And I'm Jay Williams, Associate Pastor. We're glad that you're with us today. Uh, we've been counting the days that this has been going on. I bet you have too, but especially we've been counting the Sundays because of all of the preparation that it takes to put on Pittman Park Online. This is our 13th week together. Uh, we are looking forward to being in-person gathering here in our church building in the very near future. In fact, the plan is that we will be together on June the 21st, and so mark your calendars. Uh, we've got a task force that's working with this, and we'll be communicating with you this week with more details about the things that we'll need to be very careful about as we come back together in person. The pandemic has been very much on all of our minds um, as we've reflected on the number of families uh, that have been affected with the deaths across our nation and the sickness across our nation uh, and across the world. Uh, this pandemic has truly affected so many. I was interested this week as I was reflecting uh, to see a short video by Junius Dodson. Junius is one of the leaders at Discipleship Ministries in the United Methodist Church. And Junius said, he thinks that there are two pandemics that we're dealing with. Of course, one created by the coronavirus, but he said the other pandemic that we need to be aware of is the effects that racism has had on our nation and on the world. Uh, the damage that it has done and the grieving that is going on in our nation right now is truly a mark on all of us. Um, as uh, Jay and I have been talking about this, we've tried to think about things uh, that would be helpful rather than hurtful in the process as we move forward. And prayer particularly comes to my mind. It does. And, and, and also what it means to, to take this moment and to really look at our own lives, uh, to, to search our hearts before God in the presence of God and just to ask him if there's any wicked way in me. You know, scripture, I mean, not scripture, but there's a wonderful song that says, let peace uh, be on earth and let it begin with me. Yeah. And, and I think that it's, it's never a wrong time to get before God and say, God, am, am I off here? Am, am I not loving my brother as I should? Am I not acting the way that you'd have me act? Exactly. I, I think that asking the question and to really examine ourselves in the process, are we loving God and what we are doing? And are we loving our neighbors as we love ourselves? Uh, those two things are very crucial. And so uh, we encourage you to keep uh, all of this in your prayers and just be the church. Uh, truly reach out to those in loving kindness that you have the opportunity to each day. As we uh, reflect on drive-in worship, um, I smile because we have had a lot of fun together doing this. Honking good time. Honking good time. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, um, uh, tell us just a little bit about uh, drive-in worship and, and how we've done. It was great. I mean, it really was. First of all, uh, the sermon was great. The, it was spirited, and, and uh, yeah, and, and everybody participated, and, and it was great. Uh, I didn't hear amens, but I did hear a lot of honking, and, uh, and it was just really, really good to see. And it was good to see everybody's face, too. It was, and that's the, that was the thing that impressed me the most, is just being able to see people make such a difference. Um, 
I, I must say, I guess I felt a little bit like John Wesley preaching on the street corner, um, but uh, it's a good atmosphere, and we hope that you'll join us. Uh, we'll have uh, one, one more of these drive-in worship services, and so uh, come and join us next week at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. This is Family First Sunday, and it's a time when we uh, try in our worship services to focus in a way that would engage children especially. And Derek Harrison, our Director of Children and Youth Ministries, will be leading a moment for children uh, in just a few, uh, in a few minutes. And so uh, we ask the children that uh, may be hearing uh, to stay close and tuned in so that you can be a part of that. Uh, as we enter into this time of worship, let our hearts and our minds be focused. Let us remember that Christ has said wherever we are gathered that he would be with us. We come before God in worship. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this beautiful morning. Thank you for another day of opportunities to serve you and to do your will. An opportunity to present a good Christian witness by our words and our actions. We are blessed to have such a loving and forgiving God. Lord, today we are facing many challenges. Our country is in turmoil. We are in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. This has placed restrictions on, on us that keep us from going to church or even gathering with our Christian friends for support and love. There's mistrust, dislike, and even hate everywhere. We are divided by gender, race, sexual orientation, politics, and even religion. All we see on the news is mistrust, destruction, death, and hate. Lord, you teach us about love. Love one another. Love our neighbor. Love your enemies. We have gone away from your teachings. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us to give us the strength and desire to love one another. To give us the desire to read and study your word. We need you more now than ever before. We need your strength, your guidance, and your love. Second Chronicles 7.14 tells us, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways that I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Lord, we are your wandering sheep. Please gather us up and return us to your flock. Lord, let us pray to your name to seek you out, to open our hearts and to your word and your teachings. It is your name that we pray. Amen.
Morning Park kids, I'm super excited to be with you guys on another Sunday morning and not only is it a family first Sunday, but it's also a really, really cool Sunday because we get to talk about the beginning and I'm not just saying like the beginning of a book, I mean like the beginning of time, the very first day that God created and you know what God did on that day? He created heaven and earth and so before I go forward with the story, I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you guys like to play with Play-Doh? Because I know growing up I like to play with Play-Doh a lot. And Play-Doh comes in that little circular container, you know, and you pop the lid off and you can kind of like pour the Play-Doh out and then you can start playing with it. Well, the Play-Doh is always in the form of the container that it's in. So when you take it and pour it out of the container and then you start molding it to whatever shape you want it to be, it's kind of formless in the process. So from the beginning to the end of the shape you're trying to get in, it's in all different kinds of forms. And so when God created heaven and the earth, the earth was formless. 
in the beginning when he first created it. It was dark. We didn't have light. And um, it was void, which means it was empty. There was nothing there. And so what's really cool about that, though, is God created light. God said, let there be light. And at that moment, the earth lit up. I like to think about pictures from uh, space looking down at earth, and you get to see the big blue um, marble that I like to call it in the sky with all the continents, and it's so pretty um, because our earth is pretty. But, you know, there had to be light for that to happen. And so what I'm saying with this is God created light. God is light. And you know what? God didn't just create that light in our world um, on day one. God is continuing to bring light into our world each and every day. And so I challenge you um, as you go throughout next week, as we uh, continue to um, go throughout our online services and our summer that's coming up, we're all excited. I challenge you to be the light in the world. Be that person that God has given us all this light to share. He's given us a way to cover up the darkness in the world. And he's calling each and every one of us to do that. And so as he continues to bring the light into the world, we can continue to follow him and try and be that light and that example for others. And so I challenge you again to think of ways that you can be a light to someone else. Can you help somebody in a way you haven't before? Maybe you can thank your mom and dad for something they've done for you. Maybe you can thank your grandparents, your friends, and so many other ways. So think about ways that you can be the light of the world, just like God is the light to us each and every day. And with that being said, I invite you guys to pray with me. Dear God, I just thank you for today. I thank you for the light of the sky, the light of the world that you have brought upon us. Lord, when everything was dark in the beginning and the earth was formless, that you continued to pour out your love and bringing the light upon it. And uh, God, I just pray that as we uh, are watching this right now and as we are going throughout our weeks and our summer, that we are continuing to think of you and everything that we do and we continue to pray that we will be the light to love one another um, each and every day of our lives. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. Let me thank Anna for reading our scripture for us this morning. We are starting a new sermon series uh, after uh, lengthy discussions about which directions to go. Jay and I have decided that we would focus on, during the summer months, the book of Genesis. We're calling it Beginnings, Stories from Genesis. You may already be surmising uh, that this is a difficult task to cover in the number of weeks that we have before us just during the summer. But over the next nine weeks, we're going to try to cover 50 chapters. Now, that does not mean that we will preach from every story in Genesis. 
but we've selected some that we feel like will focus us well during this season. My father is now 92 years old. We love it when he comes to visit us. It's fascinating because he loves to discuss scripture. In fact, he so loves to discuss scripture that when we try to have a morning devotional with him at the table, he is constantly interrupting because he always wants to interject some thought that comes to his mind. It's difficult for us to get through the devotional. I called him this week. I had him on my mind and I said to him, Dad, I'm going to preach on one of your favorite passages of Scripture. At least that's the way it has seemed to me over the last couple of years. I said to him, I'm going to focus this sermon on in the beginning God. How many times have I heard him say that? In the beginning God. He was immediately lit on fire with scripture and was eager to share what it brought to his mind. He immediately said, you've got to get this right first. Talking about all of us getting it right. That in the beginning, God is the one that set all in motion. Science, he said, can't solve this. It takes theology to get it right. How powerful it is to think that he then moved into his second focus of Scripture over the last couple of years. He said, For God so loved the world. And with such emphasis, he began to say, Not just the world, but the entire universe, which is faithful to the original Greek cosmos in that sentence. Just look around you, my father went on to say. It's miraculous, this world in which we live. And look above you at the sun and the moon and the stars. He was imagining all of this in his mind as we talked because it was the middle of the day. And yet he went on to say there is no explanation that can suffice for what we have around us. God did this. That is a powerful statement and one that he is fully convinced sets all of the rest of the scripture in its proper place. We cannot describe God, he went on to say, nor can we fathom what God has made. But if we start with God, we can build on that. I have to tell you that I agree with my father. And with his conviction comes my conviction today that in the beginning, God is a very, very important statement for us to understand. Theological observers have been at this for years do you remember what Elizabeth Barrett Browning said? Earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. 
The rest sit round and pluck blackberries. There are some times that I just love to pluck blackberries. And I'm not very focused on the world as God has made it. But those times that give my heart its breath fill me to overflowing with God when I take notice of what God has done. I mentioned in modern worship just recently that in our backyard at the edge of the woods there is a small plant that has grown gigantic. It started out as just a medallion on the ground, this leafy corona, and I with reservation use that word these days, but this medallion of leaves that began to shoot up in the middle with this stem that became almost the size of a a good-sized branch as it began to soar into the air over the days that followed our observing. I researched it and have found that it's thistle when I took a picture of it and sent it to Barry Blozer. Barry told me, he said, cut it down. I said, I can't, it's too beautiful. He said, cut it down because it's going to spread. He said, I get rid of those things all the time. But we've continued to observe it, Sue and I have. I read that bull thistle will grow even as much as seven feet. We've got a record bull thistle in our yard because already it has reached 10 feet in height. We're proud of that bull thistle now and wonder How is it that God makes such things? One of our daughters would go outside with me particularly and look at the stars in the evenings. One day I can remember lying in the yard with her as we gazed into the expanse of the heavens. She said to me what I have remembered so keenly, And what I have shared with some of you before, she said, I can't take it any longer. I thought she was just tired of lying on her back there. I said, are you okay? She said, no. She said, I just can't take it any longer. It's too big and I'm so small. As she had been gazing, she saw the expanse of God's heavens before her. I believe it takes this kind of looking, this kind of awareness for us to begin to understand what's going on. These words are powerful. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. God, in this first day, was merely separating the darkness from the light Over the following days, he was to create the beauty of the sky above the heavens. He was to create the earth and separate the dry ground from the wet places on the earth. He was to form the rivers and the oceans. Not to speak of the the beauty of the animals and, of course, his crowning glory the creation of humanity. 
What a beautiful thing. And even he saw it. The word in Hebrew is tov, good. And God saw that it was good, tov. Everything is in motion for an artist. An artist is always tweaking that which is being produced. James Baldwin, the novelist and playwright and poet, used these words to describe a great truth. He said, for nothing is fixed forever and forever and forever. If you believe it, it is not fixed. The earth is always shifting. The light is always changing. The sea does not cease to grind down rock. Generations do not cease to be born. And we are responsible to them because we are the only witnesses they have. I've always loved the works of art that were produced by Alexander Calder. Sue and I were in Washington and visiting the National Gallery. There his gigantic mobiles spin. They're suspended above those who would take just a moment to look. That mobile that we gazed upon was always slightly in motion. As artists are wont to do, to believe that their art is always in motion. Isn't it this way with God who created this planet? And of course, as we look upon it, the wind is in motion and the water is in motion. Just think about the birds that float through this atmosphere and those animals that run through its forests. Just think about how beautiful it is. Even the earth itself, the ground is in motion. For tectonic plates are always shifting under us. What a beautiful thing to think all of this is set in motion by the breath of God. My father would say to me right now, In the beginning, God. And truly, this is the way it is. God is the maker of all that we see, of who we are. In the beginning, God. Good morning. I have always loved inventions. When I was a kid, I even fancied myself an inventor. I spent countless hours prognosticating. And this mindset came with a fascination uh, for the mechanical and for the electric. You know, and part of this fascination also was looking at old things and trying to deduce what their purpose was, why they were made, and maybe even how they worked. I discovered that a huge hint in the identity and purpose of something is always who created it. Now when I'm faced with something that I don't know, uh, you know, there are times that I can look at it and I get really close to guessing the item's true identity and purpose. But then there are times uh, that I guess, and to quote the great forensic engineer Ariel, I get a dinglehopper or a thingamabob. Sometimes I don't even have a clue. So today we're going to look at something really old. 
the universe. Today, we're in Genesis 1, verse 1 through 5, and it starts, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible says here that the heavens and earth were made in the beginning. Now, some of us believe that the beginning was billions of years ago, and others believe it was just a few thousand years old. You know, there can be a lot of disagreement around this. Now, you know that I was a science teacher for 12 years, plus I've been preaching now for about 12 years, so I'm a student of geology and theology. I'm fairly well versed in the, in the reason why each group believes what they do about when the earth was created. One looks at a timeline of known events and genealogies and infers thousands of years. Another looks at layers and tests and they infer that the earth is billions of years old. The truth is, is that both infer. I believe that we can extend grace to one another in this debate because really the Bible doesn't spell it out really clearly. It kind of reminds me of what God said to Job in Job 38, 4 through 7. It says, Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched out a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? And who laid the cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Truthfully, no one on either side of this debate was there in the beginning. I've determined that only God was there and only He knows. And if He thought it was really important for me to know when, well then I believe He would have written it clearly in Scripture. Scripture says God created the heavens and the earth. Or to use the modern language, that God created the universe. But it's silent on when. So the Bible doesn't fill in all the details for us. But its purpose really isn't to be a science textbook. Now don't get me wrong, there's a lot of really good science in the Bible. And many scientific discoveries were made because of it. But even Galileo said it like this. The Bible shows us the way to go to heaven, but not necessarily the way heaven goes. But what Scripture does say, without question, is this, that whenever the beginning was, God did it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, some people have a hard time saying in the beginning, God. They say in the beginning there was something else, a bang, a string, a coalescing gas cloud. But that leaves us with a flaw in logic because every effect has to have a cause. A bang must have a banger. A string must have a creator. A gas cloud, an origin. Until you come to the conclusion that there's something that is and that always has been. And that's the beginning of it all. So why would you even want to write God out of the genesis of the universe? Well, because... If there's a creator, then we were created for a purpose other than our own. A purpose outside of ourselves. In Romans 1, 28, it talks about people who don't want to acknowledge God as their creator. It says this, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God or consider him worth knowing as their creator, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do things which were improper and repulsive. In other words, creation has a purpose. 
But the Creator will let us substitute our own purpose if we insist. But I'm going to tell you, if we do, then existence becomes a dinglehopper, a who's it, or a what's it. The Creator determines the purpose for the created. So the Bible begins with, in the beginning, God. The reason is because He's the main character of the book. It's about God. You remember that I said that the purpose for an object and how it works can be discovered by knowing who made it. You know, where you start off really matters. In 1979, there was a passenger plane with 257 people on it, flying from New Zealand to sightsee over Antarctica and back. Unbeknownst to the pilot, someone changed the flight coordinates by a mere two degrees. This error placed the aircraft 28 miles to the east of where the pilots assumed they were. And as they approached Antarctica, the pilots descended to a lower altitude to give the passengers a better look at the landscape. Now, even though both pilots were experienced, neither one of them had made this flight before. They had no way of knowing that the incorrect coordinates had placed them directly in the path of Mount Erebus. It's an active volcano that rises at 12,000 feet high. And by the time the instrument sounded the warnings that the ground was rising fast toward him, it was absolutely too late. Listen, knowing where you start determines your path and your destination. In this one statement in Genesis, God becomes the reference point in everything. He is the reference point in time and space. He is when, he is how, he is the why. Jesus said it like this. He says, I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. And John said it like this in John 1.1. He said, in the beginning, before all time, was the Word, Christ. The Word was with God and the Word was God himself. He was continually existing in the beginning, co-eternally with God. All things were made that came into existence through him. And without him, not even one thing was made that has come into being. In Colossians 1.16, it says it like this. It says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and in earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. The main topic of the book is God. God is at the center of the universe. Let's go on. Verse 2. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Some theologians say that earth was like a big mud ball, and that God took it and formed it. In other scripture, when we see this word void, it's used to describe a barren wasteland, a place where things can't live, at least not for any amount of time. Well, whatever you think, the earth would have not been a good place to, to be at this point. It reminds me of something that I heard a preacher say about the book of Genesis one time. He said that there are two Hebrew words in Genesis that are translated to make. One means to make from scratch and the other means to prepare. It's kind of like somebody making a bed. You can build it from scratch and you can make it ready to get into. I think here God has created the earth but is not quite ready for habitation yet. 
It says that the Spirit of God moved over or was hovering over the surface of the deep. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening. And there was morning. The first day. So right from the beginning of these passages, we see a right and divine order. You know, and this is all great theology, but practically, what, what does it mean? Let me ask some questions. What's at the center of your universe? Or what even is at the center of your day? Do we say in the beginning, God? Does your world seem formless and void? Does it feel barren with no life or no purpose? Or maybe you've substituted your purpose for God's. This morning I pray uh, that you let the Spirit of God hover over the deep things in your life. You see, when God is primary and we let His Spirit move in our lives, then God speaks light and it's good. But I want you to notice that this is not a one-time thing. It says, God called the light day and the darkness He called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Now, if there's a first day, it implies a second day. God wishes to speak light and light into your life daily. I believe that God says, let there be light every day. This divine order that God is primary and we get our meaning from Him. And, and if we let Him hover over the deep things in our life, He makes our existence livable and He speaks light into our darkness. John talked about this divine order when he said this in John 15. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. This morning, I want to invite you to a new beginning, a new world order. Let's say in the beginning, in the start, the primary place is God who made us with His purpose, who by His presence and who by His Word sustains us and, and gives us light. Everything changes when we say this one thing, in the beginning, God.
Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for the earth, the sun, the stars, the people, the animals, and all creation around me. It is so awesome to have you in my life. Amen.